0: listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions, they're on there too, and you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. How we doing Hills family? All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, one second. good morning to those of you that are watching in our 1030 service in the venue right now, Pastor Sean over there. Old Town Campus, our people in Nevada, Pastor David, and our online community. Good morning to all of you that are with us now. We're glad you're here. So, man, um, it's been a minute since I've been able to preach. So that's um, it's good to be back in the saddle. But before I get into God's Word, we're going to commission someone really quick. Tony, come on up here. This is Tony O'Donnell. If you don't know who she is if you're at one of our campuses. You don't know Tony. You experience Tony. Okay. And she's one of our missionaries to India. And um, she is going to be going to India on Tuesday. And um, that, that is a, a um, incredible ministry that we have over there. Where we are, um, you know, I don't know if you know, years ago, Compassion International was kicked out of India. Um, and it's a fairly oppressive government right now toward Christianity, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a lot bit. You know, Marlena said something really interesting. She said, you can be under oppression and be free. That's right. And when you see the people of God that are under oppression there, they're more free than you could ever imagine. We complain about all kinds of things in this country, but I want you to know something. True freedom is in Jesus. And she's going to go bring some more of it to him. So we're excited about that. So here's what I like for us to do is to pray her wherever you're at we're not going to have the whole church lay hands on her because she's like a little lady and if all of you put your hands on her you'd kill her um, so we're going to and people are all over, all over the state all over the country all over the world praying for you right now so we're going to our, in, in our hearts lay hands on Tony and we're going to pray over her right now so let's pray we're going to commission her Father thank you for this woman thank you for the ministry that you've given her thank you Father that you called her out of darkness into your wonderful light and, Lord, she runs to it, and people follow her as she chases you. Lord, we, um, we know your word says that how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, Lord, you have made her feet beautiful, and we ask that you would make them even more so. Father, guide her, protect her, give her wisdom. But most of all, Lord, make her bold for the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. We thank you for this woman, and we commission her, we send her. In your mighty name, Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Give it up for Tony. Love you. All right. You know, um, for the last couple of weeks, I, I haven't been preaching. Uh, Pastor Mitch, and, well, let me explain this to you. This whole year, our theme when we were preaching, was our, our hope was is that we could help expose the heart of Christ to you every week. Um, there's a lot of things about the attributes of Christ, his, his strength, his this, his that. We wanted to show you his heart. And I gotta let you know, I, I, I uh, got to listen to Pastor Mitch's sermon two weeks ago and Pastor Scott's sermon this last week, one out of Lamentations, one out of Exodus. And um, what I, one of the things I am so grateful for is these two men of God just like laid out a feast of God's word, a table full of, His word for you to feast on. And um, I'm hoping today you get the dessert. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to, well, I'll tell you this. My, um, I've been a pastor for for about 20 years. And I planted a church in Oceanside. And I remember uh, my children, well, a couple of my children weren't even born. But my youngest, I remember we met in the school. We did that whole thing, right? You know, like most churches start. And, um. I remember, you know, he, he, you know, thought we had the biggest church in town because he was three. He'd never been to another church in his life. It was not like a, you know, he didn't have context, right? And then we moved into this church building and he was convinced like, oh my gosh, this place is huge. Dad, we're the biggest church in town. No, we're not. We only had about a hundred people, right? And then we moved into another building and then he was convinced we've got to be the biggest church in town. And we still were not the biggest church in town, but it's all he knew. And then 10 years ago, we moved here and came to Clovis Hills. And he was like, we've got to be the biggest church in the country. This thing's insane. You know, he's 10 years old. That's his mind. and That's his scope. And I was like, well, son, no, we're not even the biggest church in the city. What? He, he couldn't fathom that. And then. One summer we were in Southern California and um, we lo- I love to visit churches. I'm a pastor. I like to go and critique them and talk about how much better I am. But um, <laughs> men in the room are really laughing. If you work in the construction industry, you walk in a room every time, who did this? This isn't straight. You know, it's that kind of thing. So we, I took him to Saddleback Church in Orange County in Mission Viejo. At the time they had 28,000 people in attendance on a weekend. And he went, Oh, our church is nothing. It's like, yeah. Because he got he got scope, he, he was able to see. There was something bigger, there was something higher, there was something deeper, there was something wider, and he was able to see that. But sometimes our, our, what we see and what we know is limited, and I want to talk to you about that today. We're going to talk about the grace of God and how our, the grace of God, really the way we see it is incredibly limited, and the passage I want to read to us this morning comes out of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9. I'd love it if you can stand in honor of God's word as we read from the word of the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Do do me a favor, wherever you're at. Take a deep breath. We're going to read that one again. That's good news. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways or your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is God's word. You may be seated. So I want to encourage you, if you're taking notes, uh, pull out your Clovis Hills app in there. You can take notes. If you don't have it, you can download it in your App Store or Google Play Store. And... um, Every week in there, there's a sermon outline, you can listen to the sermon, you can watch live if you're not in town, Um, there's a Bible study in there that goes along with whatever passage we're studying, Um, and you you know, you can do that on your own, you can do it in a group, you can do it with friends, at work, wherever you want to do it. I have people that start, I know that um, they don't live here in this town, they live in Southern California, and they, they study these Bible study questions every week as a group at their work. So you're free to do that wherever you want. You don't need our permission to study the Bible. Amen? Amen. Okay, so um, I encourage you to take that out because I, I got five things I want to talk about today out of this passage. There's five things. Number one is this, seek God. What does that mean to seek God? You know, um, when I was a little kid going to church um, and it, 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 it must have been a thing in like the 70s and 80s and really modern, the note to worship team um, this might be a good thing to bring back around like a new trend, is um, we used to just sing Bible verses. They'd put a really simple tune to a Bible verse and we would sing it as kids and it ended up becoming something that I never forgot in my whole life, right? I know as a little kid, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right. I know I'm not as good a singer as Mitch. And all these things shall be added unto you. Allelu, alleluia got that in my head forever. But what does that mean to seek God? Well, this morning, I I want you to, I'm going to try and explain this in a way that if you are a irreligious person, a brand new baby Christian, like you've just been doing this thing for a short time, and you don't understand it all yet, and you're still like insecure about it, or you're somewhere in the middle, or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I wanna try and explain what seeking God is um, in, in, a, in a way that, that really helps us um, understand because it's something that all of us should be doing wherever you are on the spiritual spectrum right now. And see, um, in, in Genesis, the Bible talks about how God made you in, all, all humans, and he made them in his image. And there was no sin, and we weren't broken. And then sin entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned, and it broke humanity. And what happened was, is that we all began to rebel against God, that we wanted to do things our way, that we wanted to be the boss of our life, we wanted to be in charge of our life, we wanted control of our life, we no longer wanted to trust God, our maker with our life, we wanted it our way. And humanity has been broken ever since, and every now and then you hear people go, no, it's getting better, is it? Is it? Our phones are smaller, that's about it. You know, their technology is better, but humans are still broken by sin. And see, C.S. Lewis in his uh, Chronicles of Narnia series, I, I, I read them again this year, and uh, read them as a kid, and they were neat, and then I read them as an adult, and poof. And see, these, these kids, they get swept away to this magical land, Narnia, and they think it's incredible. But at the very end of the series, The Last Battle, it's a book, Aslan shows up, and Aslan is this Christ figure. He's this lion in the story, and he's a giant lion, and he's terrifying, but at the same time, good. And, 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 and The the children are always drawn to him. And when they see him, even though it makes their hearts skip out of fear, they're drawn to him. Because when they look in his eyes, they see kindness they've never seen. They've seen beauty they've never seen. They see themselves. And they're drawn to this line. And at the end of the story, Aslan comes. And he ushers them through this door. And they go through this doorway. And when they step into, the, they call it Aslan's country... It looks exactly like where they were, except everything is brighter and everything is clearer and they can see everything like, in, in ways they couldn't imagine. And then they look back through the door and they see the other world and they see everyone living their life as normal, but it's dark and it's shadowy. And, and they can tell that the, the, the people that are there and they had just been there didn't really know what they were looking at. And they were wandering, wondering what to do. And it it was called a shadow land. And then Aslan, the great king, calls them and says, follow me, higher up, further in. And he begins to run. And they all start chasing Aslan into Aslan's country. And the further they go, like it's a good two chapters, they're chasing him. The further they go, the brighter everything gets, but it doesn't hurt their eyes. The clearer everything gets. And really... The world was no different. They were just now able to see everything clearly as they chased Aslan. And what it means to seek God is this. As it is some point in your life, um, we all have identities. We have a million identities. I don't know if you know that. Um, I'm I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I'm a a motorcycle enthusiast. I'm a Sometimes I'm a you know I'm I'm am I'm a, I'm a surfer I'm a musician I'm a San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles fan I'm on and on and on There's all of these identities um, I I have I have a gender right That's part of my identity I have a a a, a um, you know I'm a heterosexual That's part of my There's all of these identities I have political leanings I'm not going to tell you which one You guys are always trying to find, figure me out But listen. That's, a, that's part of my identity. It's part of what all of those things help make up who I am. But here's what I want you to understand what seeking God is, how, how it works. I'm trying to do it in the simplest way possible. If you take any of those identities you have, and the lie right now is your identity is based in your gender and your sexuality or your political affiliation. And I want you to understand something. If that is your primary identity, you probably are missing it. See, you're not a Republican Christian. You're not a Democrat Christian. When you seek God, you make Jesus and being his child your first identity. And everything else falls, in, falls underneath that. And here's what happens. Is what you do is you take that identity as being a follower of Jesus and you submit that every other identity to that identity of being a follower of Jesus. Because that's who you are. When you look in the eyes of Aslan, that's who you'll see. You're his. And to seek God means to lay all those down. It doesn't mean they go away. It just means I'm first his. So the problem is God made us in his image. We, we sinned. But we turn around and we make God in our image. We remake him. So God is God. He is who he is. But what happens is because we're broken and we see the world and, uh, in a, through a broken lens. We're living in the shadow lands. You know, the shadows have blurred everything in our life. We're putting other things before Jesus, other identities that you have before Jesus, on and on and on. And here's what happens. here's what happens is we we end up having what I like. I should have called this sermon, daddy issues. Because what we do is we take all of the human elements of human relationships that we have with our parents, with our siblings, with our coworkers, with our friends, with our enemies, all of that. And we take all of that and we apply that to God. And we think that God operates like other people do. And we think that the love of God operates the way other people's love does and the way our love does because our love has limits, doesn't it? You can stand only so much and then it's like back off. Some of you can stand more than others, right? But to seek God means to admit that I've been living in the shadow lands and I'm going to follow Jesus higher up and further in. And learn who I really am. And I'm not gonna believe what the world tells me I am. I don't blame any of us, though. If we consume six hours of media a day, whether it's through social media or news or whatever, it's all opinions. And then we come to church once a week, and we, who are we kidding, once a month, and we read the Bible about once or twice a month, it's really easy to believe. The the other identities come first. So what do we do with that, Sean? Well, that leads me to number two: repent. Somebody like God, pastors coming with the Billy Club today. No, listen, <laughs> let me explain to you. Repent is not a bad word. It's not a four letter word. Okay, uh, that could have been the title of the sermon too. It's actually one, two, three, four, five. Six. <laughs> Mild dyslexia. Anyways, no, um, re- really what repent means is to realize I was this way and I want to be this way and I'm going to go this way. It doesn't mean you do it perfectly. Everyone actually when they follow Jesus, when they seek God, when they seek Jesus, when you go higher up and further in, we all run at a different pace. And some, some people are sprinting at this amazing pace and others are walking and tripping and others are crawling. But as long as you are going higher up and further in, that's what repentance is, is saying, I was going my way, but I want to go God's way now. And you point your heart at, at God. Look what, the, look what the scripture says in Isaiah 55, seven, it says, let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. So Jesus, he tells a story because as Christians, many times we get this whole thing wrong. We don't understand. We think like repentance is act better, people. Cut it out, stop it, right? That's what we think repentance is. As preachers, that's what we tend to do. We're trying like behavior modification. If all my people would just act right. That's funny, huh? Parents, how many times have you been like, if my kids would just act right. I'm here to tell you they don't act right because you don't act right. Oh, the kids are like, yeah, yeah. Get it, come on. There's this like theory, like you marry the one and you live happily ever after. You married a mess. Two messes came together to make little messes. We're all sinful. This, I, I made three messes. But Jesus tells a story in, um, in Luke, sorry, turn to Psalms. He tells a story in Luke 18 about what repentance really looks like. See, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Okay, so one is the the picture of of religious perfection. He's got it. And the other is, um, you know, really to the Jewish mind, a traitor, a horrible person, one who extorts, one who sins, one that carouses, runs around, does all kinds of bad stuff. So, you you know, uh, typical Clovis Hills person. But anyway, so, and their pastor, but listen, it says two men went up. One, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Listen, Christians, we do that all the time. We are so self-absorbed. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm listening, like I'll like listen to what I'm praying, and I'm like praying to myself sometimes. This Pharisee gets up and he prays about himself. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a 10th of all I get. So what he's saying is, listen, God, I'm so grateful to you that I've done all these good things. I got my finances in order. I got my health in order. I got you know, I, I, my religious life is in order. My career is right. My Instagram is on point right now. It is like, uh, you know, I, I'm looking good and I want to give you glory for it, but I did it all. But thank you. And thank God I'm not like this person. And maybe he says it out loud. Maybe he says it in his head, but, but I, 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 want you, I want you to know, because no one, none of us have ever judged another person by how they looked, have we? Never, right? Sometimes they, when people look better than you, you judge them. Look at her. <laughs> but that dude's gay, right? You know, there's, that's what jockey, goofy chads do. If your name's Chad, I'm sorry. But, but I need you to understand, we don't, but that, that's what humans do, and this is what this guy does. But I want you to understand what true repentance is. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here's, here's what I want you to know. There's this weird thing about us that we feel like we gotta act better than we really are. That we'll feel better about ourselves. That other, if other people feel good about us, then we'll feel better about ourselves. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. The re- reality, when you wanna look Jesus in the eyes, is he will say, I love you just how you are, right where you're at. And see, grace to us is act better and then you'll get God's forgiveness. But that's not the gospel of Jesus. That's not the good news. The good news is not act better because I've seen you all, we can't do it. We, we keep messing up, I keep messing up. But that, that leads me to this next point, point, number three in the outline. Number three is this, God's mercy because his ways are higher. It says in verse 55, 7, it says, let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. It doesn't say, let them turn to the Lord and he'll have mercy on them when they act better. It says, let them turn to the Lord, like this tax collector. He still had problems, he still had sin, he still had all kinds of shame in his life, and he just gave it to Jesus. And I want you to know something. Some of you this morning, you walked into this church feeling shameful for sin that you struggle with. And I want you to know this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. There is no shame. You left your shame on the cross of Jesus Christ. God knew you. He knows you. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. If that is not good news, you are dead. It says, let them turn to the Lord and he will freely have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Freely. Not because you acted better. Not because you gave an awesome year-end gift. But you could, by the way. Um, (laughs) To Clovis Hills. None of that. That doesn't get you. You already have it. It's freely. He will freely pardon you. See, it's almost like um, a little child. And every Christmas... His grandfather gives him a crisp $100 bill. And this little boy has no idea. And, you know, he gets the $100 bill and he thinks, my grandpa must be rich because he gave me a $100 bill. And he has no idea that his grandfather is a billionaire. He has no idea concept of the mass of riches and inheritance that he will one day get he just sees the hundred dollar bill and every year he can't wait for the hundred dollar bill and he doesn't realize that grandpa has this massive inheritance for him and see that's what we do with the grace of God we just want a little of it but Jesus came to give all of it to you all of his grace to you And that grace is actually the thing that'll change you. You don't have to change to get it. When you begin to see God's grace, when you step out of the shadow lands and you can see his grace greater, you don't have time for sin. You don't have time for those things. You put the childish things behind you. Some people it happens in a moment, some people it's a process, a long process. My friend, Tony, who used to cut my hair in Oceanside, she told me one day I was going through a 12 step program. And um, she said, oh, yeah, I, I, um, I was a meth addict for 18 years. I said, How, whoa, what program did you go through? She goes, well, I call it the One Step. I was like, what? And she had all kinds of uh, other addicts living in her house. She was helping, you know, get sober. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, I, one eye I just sat my bottom one night, and I went fetal in someone's bathtub and, and blacked out. And I woke up the next morning, and I never did meth again. And I... Started following Jesus. I, I, had, I had known about Jesus my whole life, but I was running from him. She goes, I don't tell any of the addicts in my house that story because that's not their story. They'd hate me for the, the one step. Yeah. All my 12-step people are chuckling because they know <laughs> it's not always the way. God, God calls you higher and further And some people sprint and some people crawl. But we all get to the same place, amen? That's the good news of the gospel. So, leads me to number four. His ways are glorious. They're so much better. See, because we live in the shadow lands, it doesn't always seem fair. Fair. Like, you know, why do some people, it, it, it's easy, and other people, like, for me, it's difficult. And why am I struggling in this? And I, I don't get it. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. Jesus told a story. He told a story of a master who had a, a, a vineyard. And in the morning, he hired workers to come work the vineyard. And he said, I'll pay you 10 denarii to work this vineyard. And then at lunch, he went and got some more because he figured out he needed some more workers. And he paid them the same amount. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? And then around the end of the day, as the day was ending, he needed more workers. So he went and got those people. He said, come. And he paid them the same amount. And the people that got there in the morning were like, wait a minute, that's not fair. How come they're getting paid for a few minutes of work and we've been working all day? And Jesus said, you don't understand the kingdom. Grace is free whether you come now or later, but I want you to know something. Some of you, you think it's too late. You've been running from God your whole life and you're like, I don't know any other way. It's too late. I've, I've exhausted his grace. And I want you to know something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That today, you could step out of the shadow lands and know him. Higher up and further in. Look what it says in verse eight and nine. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you understand this? Many times we use this this verse wrongly. We use it in a way where we think like it's about the sovereignty of God like oh well if I don't understand some pain in my life or trauma in my life you know God his ways are higher we'll figure it out. That is true but that's not what he's talking about here. This is not what Isaiah meant. This is not what God meant when he was telling Isaiah. What he was saying is this is that the way we forgive we have boundaries we have limits You know, someone can hurt us only so many times and we're gonna cut them off. Someone can offend us only so many times and we're gonna cut them off. We, We naturally, because we're broken, because we're hurt, because we're fragile humans, we put these boundaries around us. But Jesus has none. His grace is limitless. His ways are higher than yours. He knows so much more. And he will freely receive you no matter what. As the high, heavens are higher than the earth, that, that, that's, a, that's a phrase that comes out of the Psalms, out of Psalms 102, and it really is to represent infinity. See, we tend to put human emotions on God. And God the Father is not like your father or my father, whether you had a good one or a bad one. The Lord it's not like your boss. His ways are higher. His thoughts are wilder. You know, Brendan Manning wrote a lot about grace. And uh, if you don't know who Brendan Manning is, he has a fairly sad story, to be honest. Um, he was a, a Marine fought in Vietnam, veteran. Um, got out of Vietnam, had a lot of trauma in his life from what he saw at the, in the war. He was sexually abused as a child, had a lot of trauma there. And um, he went, dove headfirst into religion. He actually became a Catholic priest. And um, he dove into religion and he thought that would be the answer. And um, while he was a Catholic priest, he developed a raging uh, case of alcoholism. And in his alcoholism, he stumbled and struggled and, and um, you know, Tried and failed and tried and failed. And he ended up leaving. the. He, he got married to this woman. Left the priesthood. Thinking that would do it. Because of his alcoholism. On again, off again. That wife divorced him. He was married again. Divorced. Sober, clean, sober. In the last third of his life, he finally got sober enough. And he'd always believed in Jesus and he always had his heart turned toward Jesus even the midst of all his brokenness and he wrote about grace and he traveled the country just talking about grace and I usually read this at people's funerals I'm gonna read it today because I hope some of you something dies in you this morning and normally, like I don't read this at the funeral of a lady who taught Sunday school for 47 years and that's thousands of kids that came to Christ. And is this amazing? Usually, I read it to people like y'all, salty characters, right, <laughs> Clovis Hellions, um, because it's very comforting. When you understand what God's grace really is, look, look what he says. He says, because salvation, by the way, if you're watching right now on a screen in a venue or anywhere else, I, I'm still here. We're gonna put the whole quote up though. It says, because salvation is by grace through faith. I believe that among the countless number of people standing in front of the throne and in front of the lamb dressed in white robes, holding palms in their hands, that's a scene from Revelation 7, 9. I shall see the prostitute from the Kit Kat Ranch in Carson City, Nevada, who tearfully told me that she could find no other employment to support her two-year-old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse, but did the best that she could, faced with grueling alternatives. The businessman, besieged with debt, who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions. The insecure clergyman addicted to being liked. Who never challenged his people from the pulpit and longed for unconditional love. The sexually abused teen molested by his father and now selling his body on the street. Who, as he falls asleep each night after his last trick, whispers the name of the unknown God he learned about in Sunday school. But how, we ask. Then the voice says, the voice. Then the voice says, they have washed their robes and have, been, and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And then he says this, this is brilliant, guys. He says, there they are. There we are. The multitude who so wanted to be faithful and at times got defeated, soiled by life, bested by trials, wearing bloodied garments of life's tribulations, through it all they clung to faith. They're all there. We're all there. It doesn't matter how good you were, how bad you were. It matters how good Jesus was and if you'll believe in him. And guys, Some of you, you have to understand this If that's not good news to you You do not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ And you're missing Out on the greatest thing ever And this morning I want to call some of you to that grace Maybe you came today and you thought you were just going to come And consume some religious goods and services And the pastor went five minutes over I, I believe this that the God of the universe has something for every person if you'd receive it for those of you that maybe you don't know where you stand with God right now the Bible says it, it very clearly it says, in first, or it says in John 1 12 but as many as received him to those who believe in his name he gave them the right to become children of God it's that easy but no no no, no, no I can't, I can't just, just receive Jesus yes you can it takes an act of faith. It takes an act of courage. It takes an act of bravery to say, I was going this way, but I'm going further, higher up and further in. I'm going to follow Jesus. And what happens when you do that is the grace of God begins to shine on you and you begin to see things, sometimes instantly, sometimes over time, you see things more clearly. But you have to take that step and receive him. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, he said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will be with him. That that he will come in and and be with you and forgive you and make you who he created you to be. You'll have all kinds of other identities, but you get the right one first, the one you were created to have first. But you have to make that choice and you have to be the one courageous enough to step into it. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that in a moment. We're going to pray. And wherever you're at, whatever room you're in, whatever campus, this one, it doesn't matter. If you don't know where you stand with God, you can know for sure today by inviting Christ in as your Lord and Savior. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes.